everyone, welcome to the second episode of our new series, The War Report. This is our second episode on the Russo-Ukrainian War. Of course, this podcast, along with all other podcasts we do, are part of Northern Provisions, LLC. This podcast is also sponsored by Mission Central Gear, your one-stop combat shop, home of the Thules, the tactical handbook for unit leaders, available at amygearco.com and Amazon as well. Use code A-N-E-2021 for a discount added to your cart on the Mission Central Gear website. Also, check out the Freelancers, which is a media and research collective dedicated to covering modern conflicts with a soft focus on foreign fighters. Find them on Twitter at CBT Freelancers, Instagram at Freelancers Blog, and their website at FreelancersConflictBlog.wordpress.com. Please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash analyze educate. That's all one word. Or buy us a coffee at co-fi.com slash analyze educate. That is ko-fi.com slash analyze educate. And lastly, a huge thank you to Kyle Larson for all his help uh, this past month. Kyle writes for us on occasion and he put out a new article uh, last week on our blog. You could find that at emmygirgo.com slash blogs slash news and uh sorry i probably sound a little bit sick i've been kind of feeling a little under the weather for the past week or so so uh yeah that's probably why uh my voice doesn't sound right but um it's uh it's been long enough it's been about a week so uh i figured i kind of need to uh record and put something out there for you guys so you know excuse uh excuse the voice but yeah, the show has to go on, I guess, right? So with that being said, we will get into the podcast. Okay, and so I said this the last episode, but again, please keep in mind that I will use the term invasion from time to time because many observers of the con- this conflict, excuse me, including myself, consider the Russo-Ukrainian war starting eight years ago with the annexation of Crimea and the subsequent occupation of parts of eastern Ukraine by Russian-backed separatists. I, when I say or when I use the term invasion, I in no way try to um, downplay what's going on in Ukraine. It is very much a war, right? Uh, I, I understand that very much. Again, I only use the term invasion because I consider this war is going on for nearly a decade at this point, right? That's why I differentiate between the two. So the invasion is now in its 25th day. It's going on a lot longer than I think most people thought it would. Martial law has been declared in the country, of course, as I said last time. At this point, over 3 million Ukrainians have fled the country as refugees to their neighboring countries, with 2 million alone going to Poland. Men ages 18 to 60 have been banned from leaving the country as they anticipate being mobilized into the Ukrainian security services. Hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians have either volunteered or been conscripted into service. This includes politicians and celebrities, boxing champions, boxing champion brothers, excuse me, Vitaly and Vladimir Klitschko have both joined Kiev's territorial defense component. Vitaly is also the current mayor of the city. Former President Petro Poroshenko has also joined the same component and is apparently the head of his own battalion. Foreign fighters have flown to Ukraine to join the International Legion as part of the territorial defense forces. Volunteers have come from as far as Japan, the U.S., Canada, the United Kingdom, Brazil, Spain, and plenty of other countries. 
Russia has captured the nuclear power plants in Chernobyl and Zaporizhia, the latter of which is the largest nuclear power plant in Europe. Russian forces have been facing numerous issues since the start of the invasion, including, but not limited to, logistics issues. That includes food and uh, not being able to fuel their vehicles, poor infantry tactics, poor immediate actions to contact with Ukrainian troops, failure to gain air supremacy still to this day, 25 days into the invasion, and arguably even air superiority. There is a difference between the two. And the questionable accuracy of their guide munitions, such as ballistic and cruise missiles. We're also even seeing a shortage of those guided munitions, which are an issue because that means Russia is going to resort to unguided munitions, which undoubtedly means plenty more civilian casualties, even more than what we're already seeing. A growing number of reports are coming in of Russian troops committing self-mutilation to avoid deploying to Ukraine. Again, those aren't confirmed. They're just reports, so keep that in mind. As of right now, Russian forces have been attempting to encircle Kiev, focusing particularly in the east and the north, and have been facing much resistance. Again, like I said last week, some of the heaviest fighting has been in the town of Bravari to the northeast, which is still held by Ukraine even this week. Kherson is still the only major city to be captured by Russian forces so far. The city of Sumy in the northwest has now been surrounded, but is still in Ukrainian hands. Russian forces have installed a new mayor in the occupied city of Melitopol in Zaporizhia Oblast. Ivan Fedorov, the city's elected mayor, was kidnapped by Russian troops on March 11th and has not been heard of since. Russia hasn't officially commented on Fedorov, but the prosecutor's office of the Luhansk People's Republic did accuse him of terrorism, so that gives you a sense of where uh, Russian-aligned people are at. Fedorov announced that Russian troops took full control of the city on March 1st. He has been replaced by former city council member Galina Denichenko of the centrist opposition bloc party. The party is considered pro-Russian and holds six out of the 450 seats in the Verkhovna Rada, which is Ukraine's parliament. The prosecutor general of Ukraine has begun a pre-trial investigation into Denichenko and the opposition bloc as a whole, at the request of Melitopol City Council on the charges of treason. On March 13th, American freelance journalist Brent Renaud was killed in the city of Irpin, Kiev Oblast. The city has seen some of the heaviest fighting in the past few weeks around the city, around Kiev proper, I should say. A friend and fellow journalist, Juan Arendodo, who was in the same vehicle as Brent, said Russian forces fired on them as they crossed a checkpoint in Arpin. Even after the car turned away from the checkpoint and drove in the opposite direction, the car continued to be fired upon, according to Aaron Dodo. Renaud was in the country to cover the refugee crisis. He was wearing his New York Times press badge at the time of his death, but he was not on assignment with the paper. On March 14th, Ukrainian producer Alexandra Kushnova, no by her nickname as Sasha, and Fox News cameraman Pierre Zakrzewski were both killed after their vehicle took some sort of unspecified fire in Gorenka, Kiev Oblast. Fox News State Department correspondent Benjamin Hall was in the same vehicle as Sasha and Pierre and was injured during the incident. He remains in the hospital. Ukraine's government has blamed the incident on Russian troops, but this has not been independently verified. This makes at least three journalists killed in Ukraine since the start of the invasion and all within a few days of each other. On March 15th, the Prime Ministers of Poland, the Czech Republic, and Slovenia all met with 
President Volodymyr Zelensky's government in the capital, Kiev, in the midst of large battles raging around the outskirts of the city. Czech Prime Minister Pieter Fiala says the visit was to convey their support for Ukraine on behalf of the European Union. His Polish counterpart, Matuz Morawiecki, said the visit came amid Russian President Putin's, quote, criminal aggression against Ukraine. A top aide to Morawiecki, Mikhail Dwotsk, said the visit was likely to focus on getting humanitarian aid into Ukraine. This is the first and only visit of any foreign leaders to Ukraine since the invasion began 25 days ago. Prime Minister Moriki came back from that meeting calling for a complete European Union trade ban on Russia and also said that Poland will propose a NATO peacekeeping mission to Ukraine at the alliance's next summit. And with that being said, we will take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back on March 16th, a Ukrainian artillery strike on Russian-occupied Kherson International Airport led to the destruction of 15 unknown types of helicopters and the damaging of one other. Again, another one of Russian aviation's costliest days, although all the helicopters were on the ground at the time. Also on the 16th, U.S. President Joe Biden has announced that the United States will soon send additional military aid to Ukraine. This aid will be worth $800 million in total and adds to the already $200 million worth of aid already announced uh, prior to this week. Part of this aid will include 100 switchblade loitering munitions drones, otherwise known as suicide drones, 800 anti-air systems, 9,000 anti-armor systems, 7,000 small arms weapons, and 20 million rounds of various types of ammunition. On March 18th, a Russian missile strike hit a military base in Mykolaiv, belonging to Ukraine's 79th Air Assault Brigade. At least 80 bodies have been pulled from the rubble from that strike so far. This is a massive loss for the brigade and the Ukrainian military as a whole. According to the Pentagon on the 18th, Russian forces are still facing heavy resistance in the north and northeast of Kiev and have not made significant progress in recent days. They remain roughly 30 kilometers from Kiev proper. Cherniev in the east of Kiev is still isolated, but it is being fiercely defended. Kiev Russian forces have made no discernible progress. They reached the outskirts of the city on the first day of the invasion, but have not made any real advances into the city as of yet. Russian troops are still in the northeast outskirts of Mykolaiv. Mariupol remains isolated, and Russian forces have been heavily shelling the city, killing at least hundreds of civilians, if not thousands. It seems that Ukrainian troops will make the Russians fight block by block for Mariupol, and the military casualties have been very heavy for Russia in the city. The airspace over Ukraine remains contested as Ukrainian aircraft continue to fly overhead. One of Russia's major failures during this invasion was failing to take out the Ukrainian Air Force in the opening days of the invasion. For example, we saw a missile strike on an airbase in the opening minutes of the invasion, and each missile that impacted the airbase failed to hit a runway or a hangar, and no Ukrainian aircraft were destroyed in that strike. Lastly, the Pentagon assessed that Russia still has roughly 90% of its 
assembled combat power left at its disposal at this time. Russia has had at least five generals confirmed or reported to have been killed in combat. Major General Andrei Sukhovetsky was killed in combat near Mariupol. He was a veteran of multiple wars, including the Russo-Georgian War, the Syrian Civil War, and the annexation of Crimea. His death was confirmed by President Vladimir Putin. He commanded the 7th Guards Mountain Air Assault Division of the VDV and was the deputy commander of the 41st Combined Arms Army. General Vitaly Gerasimov was reportedly killed near Kharkiv. He was the chief of staff for the 41st Combined Arms Army and was a veteran of the Second Chechen War, Syrian Civil War, and the annexation of Crimea as well. Major General Andrei Kolesnikov was reportedly killed as well. He commanded the 29th Combined Arms Army. Not much is known about his service other than the fact that he served in the Russian ground forces from 1998 and took command of the 29th Army in December. U.S. officials did confirm that three Russian generals have been killed since the start of the invasion, or at that point since the start of the invasion, but no names were provided. Major General Oleg Mityaev was reportedly killed in Mariupol on March 15th. He commanded the 150th Motorized Rifle Division. Lieutenant General Andrei Morovichev was reportedly killed in an attack on the Russian-occupied Kherson International Airport that we spoke about earlier. He commanded the 8th Guards Combined Arms Army. If both of those are true, those are major losses, especially the loss of the commander of the 8th Guards Combined Army. Also, quick note, the 150th Motorized Rifle Division is part of the 8th Army, so if the 8th Army lost two generals, that's a pretty big deal because those are only within a matter of days of each other. Moving on to personnel losses. So these are losses that have been confirmed by uh, Rob Lee on Twitter. He is a Russia analyst. Um, he is... Certainly a credible source. He is probably the best expert on Russia, American expert on Russia that I've been able to find. Um, and I definitely suggest you guys check him out on Twitter. He is R-A-Lee85. Um, again, a great resource on Russia. Only Russian sources are on this list, and he has confirmed a, a good amount of Russian casualties so far. So real quick, at this point, the U.S. believes that Russia has lost at least 7,000 soldiers so far, and that's insane because, again, this has been going on for only three weeks at this point. And those are conservative estimates, right? Ukraine is saying they've killed 14,000. That's definitely exaggerated. There's just no way in hell they've killed 14,000 soldiers. But, um, again, U.S. conservative estimates are putting Russian losses at half that and that's insane if it's true. It's definitely possible seeing the losses that we've seen in both personnel and equipment, but it's still uh, insane to think about. It's it's definitely not like anything we have uh, seen, not in my lifetime at least. But um, anyway, we have the uh, GRU, that's the main directorate for the general staff of the Russian Armed Forces. Everybody just knows them as a GRU. They've lost five that we can confirm. The 2nd Spetsnaz Brigade of the GRU has lost two. The 3rd Spetsnaz Brigade lost two. 
and the 22nd Guards, Spetsnaz Brigade, has lost one. Russian Air Force has lost one that we could confirm. He was a Deputy Regimental Commander and a SU-25 pilot. He was killed in action. Russian Navy, the Northern Fleet, has lost one that was of the 61st Naval Infantry Brigade, and he was actually a colonel from the unit. He was killed in action. The 126 Coastal Defense Brigade has lost three. The 127th Reconnaissance Brigade has lost one. The 810th Naval Infantry Brigade has lost three. Those are all of the Black Sea Fleet, which has lost six in total. The Baltic Fleet has lost one, and he was from the 336 Guards Naval Infantry Brigade. The Pacific Fleet has lost one as well. He was from the 155th Guards Naval Infantry Brigade. He was from the Brigade's Air Assault Battalion. That is a sign. The Russian ground forces have lost at least 26, and we can confirm the 41st Guards Combined Arms Army. That was the one that was a general that we talked about earlier. He was also the commander of the 7th Air Assault Division, so he's also included in the VDV loss. Just keep that in mind. It's a shared loss. The 36th Combined Arms Army has lost 8 those are all from the 2nd Guards Tank Corps, notably the 5th Guards Tank Brigade. They have lost all eight that we could tell. The 58th Combined Arms Army, they have lost three. One of those is from the 42nd Guards Motorized Rifle Division, and another one was from the 19th Motorized Rifle Division. And the last one was from a unit that we uh, are really unsure of at this point. But from the 19th Motorized Rifle Division, an unknown deputy regimental commander was apparently killed, which is a big deal. The 29th Combined Arms Army has lost one. He was from the 36th Motorized Rifle Brigade. The 1st Guards Tank Army has lost two. They were both from the 6th Tank Regiment, belonging to the 90th Guards Tank Division. Uh, one of those was a battalion commander, Colonel Alexander Zukharov, he was killed in action. That's a big deal. The 8th Guards Combined Army has lost four, including their division commanding general, or I'm sorry, their army commanding general, as we spoke about earlier, and also the 150th Motorized Rifle Division. They lost their commanding general as well, who was also assigned to the 8th Guards Combined Arms Army. Big deal. Um... The 20th Motorized Rifle Division, they have lost one. The 33rd Motorized Rifle Regiment, they have lost one. Who was their regimental commander, Colonel Yuri Agarkov? He was killed in action. 15th Peacekeeping Motorized Rifle Brigade has lost one. They were notably previously deployed to Armenia and Azerbaijan, so... We are hearing reports that troops from that peacekeeping mission were actually redeployed to Ukraine. Maybe this is an indication of that, but we really have no way of knowing because I don't even know if the entire brigade was in Armenia and Azerbaijan at the time. The 34th Mountain Motorized Brigade has lost one. The 22nd Guards Motorized Rifle Brigade has lost one as well. And so has the 12th Guards Entrenier Brigade. They actually lost their... Brigade Commander, Colonel Sergei Parkina. He was killed in action, which is pretty crazy. 
VDB, Russian Airborne Forces, have lost 51 that we could tell. The 7th Guards, Mountain Air Assault Division, has lost 11 alone. One of those from the division headquarters, of course, the division commanding general. That's who it would be. The 247th Guards Air Assault Regiment has lost nine. And the 108th Guards Air Assault Regiment has lost one. The 76th Guards Air Assault Division has lost seven. One of those from the 104th Air Assault Regiment and one of those from the 234th Regiment. The 83rd Air Assault Brigade has lost three. The 31st Guards Air Assault Brigade has lost one that we could tell. One of those, I'm sorry, that brigade was in the 1st Air Assault into Hostimal, so it's probably lost a lot more than that. We could just tell of one as of this moment. The 11th Guards Air Assault Brigade has lost nine, including their Deputy Commander, Lieutenant Colonel Denis Glebov. He was confirmed killed in action, and his death was announced on March 2nd. And last episode, I actually misidentified him as the brigade's commanding officer. He is actually the deputy commander, or was, I should say. And the 11th Guards Air Assault Brigade also lost a deputy commander of one of their battalions. The 98th Guards Airborne Division has lost 13, 12 of those from the 331st Guards Airborne Regiment. They lost their regimental commanding officer, Colonel Sergei Sukarev. He was killed in action. They also lost a deputy commander of one of their battalions, Major Sergei Krylov. He was killed in action, and they lost another deputy battalion commander, Major Oleg Potskalev. He was killed in action. The 106 Guards Airborne Division has lost four and moving on to Rosgvardia, the Russian National Guard, they have lost at least 17. Nine of those from the Separate Operational Purpose Division. And they were all from the 604th Special Purpose Center, the Vityaz Unit, which is a special operations unit within the Russian National Guard. The 33rd Independent Spetsnaz Detachment has lost one. An OMON unit from Tuva has lost two. An OMON unit from Kermkrai was, sorry, they lost three. An SOBR unit from Volgada lost two. And an unknown Roskvardia battalion commander was also killed in action. In the Donetsk People's Republic, they have lost one, and that was from the Sparta Separate Assault Battalion. Again, that was their commanding officer, Colonel Zoga, that we spoke about last time. And for Ukraine, we don't have uh, we don't have a lot of specific confirmed losses of Ukrainian personnel available, so this list is extremely short. If anybody has a place that um, I could find verifiable. Uh, Ukrainian losses using Ukrainian sources, preferably, um, that would be great. Let me know. I'd be more than happy. Well, maybe not more than happy, but uh, I would definitely throw them um, in this list. But as of this moment, I just don't have a whole lot of sources of Ukrainian losses. That's why this list is so short. The 204th Tactical Aviation Brigade of the Ukrainian Air Force has lost one. That was actually their squadron commander. Major Yevgeny Lysenko, he was killed in action during a dogfight with the Russian planes. The DSHV, otherwise known as the Ukrainian Air Assault Forces, they lost 
uh, dozens. It, it looks like at least 80 from what we could tell in Mink Live, but um, I guess we probably won't know those real casualty tolls for a while, but those are all from the 79th Air Assault Division. And of course, it goes without saying, Ukraine has obviously lost many more servicemen than this. This is just um, the specific losses that we can confirm by either unit or by military branch at this point. And again, if any of you have any sources um, with some confirmed losses, feel free to uh, throw them my way. I'd really appreciate it. Moving on to visually confirmed equipment losses. Those include uh, equipment that were destroyed, abandoned, or captured. Russia has lost 251 tanks. At this point, Russia has lost enough tanks to fill two entire tank regiments, plus two additional tank battalions. They've lost 165 armored fighting vehicles, 235 infantry fighting vehicles, 73 armored personnel carriers, 12 uh, MRAPs, that's mine, resistant armor protected vehicles. Those are like the, the big armored trucks that you've probably seen. Uh, 54 infantry mobility vehicles. That's like the equivalent of a U.S. Humvee. 11 communication stations. 72 artillery systems. 24 man portable air defense systems, otherwise known as man pads. Those are like shoulder-fired uh, anti-aircraft missile launchers like the Stinger. 11 anti-air guns, 30 multiple launch rocket systems, 35 surface-to-air missile systems, 6 radar and jamming stations, 13 fixed-wing aircraft or planes, 12 of which were combat aircraft, 34 military helicopters, 2 logistics trains, which were both fuel trains, and 521 other types of trucks. Ukraine has lost 61 tanks. 49 armored fighting vehicles, 48 infantry fighting vehicles, 25 armored personnel carriers, 27 infantry mobility vehicles, 26 artillery systems, 3 multiple launch rocket systems, 16 man pads, 2 anti-aircraft guns, 13 surface-to-air missile systems, 7 radar and jamming stations, 10 fixed-wing aircraft, of which 8 were combat aircraft, 1 helicopter, 13 naval ships, and 89 other types of trucks. And again, Ukraine has definitely lost a whole lot more than that. These are only losses that we can visually verify and uh, visually verify that they are um, not duplicates of other losses that have been reported. Um, but another thing to keep in mind, Russia's armed forces are a lot larger than Ukraine, so they're obviously going to have a lot more um, a lot more vehicles, a lot more aircraft, a lot more pieces of equipment in general. So the Russians definitely have a lot more um, to lose. And we could be seeing that. Uh, I'm not saying that this is, uh, a one-sided war with these equipment losses that we're seeing. That's very much not the case. Obviously, Ukraine has taken uh, very heavy losses just as Russia has. I'm just um, trying to make it clear that I'm not, I don't want to uh, paint the picture that uh, Ukraine is just kicking Russia's ass because that's, that's just really not the case. I think both, both sides are really uh, 
not doing too hot right now. But uh, we will finish it off with the order battle. And a quick note on that. Um, I will not rehash the same units every episode. Um, the only reason I will repeat a unit is if that unit has been spotted in a different location or if subordinate units of a particular unit have been identified, right? That's the only uh, reason I would rehash a unit on a, on a particular episode. So with Russia for the uh, GRU, we have, like I said earlier, the 2nd Spetsnaz Brigade, 3rd Spetsnaz Brigade, and the 22nd Guards Spetsnaz Brigade. For the VDV, Russian Airborne Forces, we have the 7th Guards Mountain Air Assault Division, of course, the division's uh, headquarters. And in that case, we could assume the entire division has been deployed. I, again, we can assume. I'm not going to make that a definitive assessment, but it's just common sense. But at least the 247th Guards Air Assault Regiment and the 108th Guards Air Assault Regiment have been identified uh, as part of the invasion. The 76th Guards Air Assault Division of that, the 104th Air Assault Regiment have been identified. The 83rd Air Assault Brigade, the 98th Guards Airborne Division of which the 331st Guards Airborne Regiment has been spotted. The 108th Guards Airborne Division, of which the 137th Airborne Regiment and the 56th Airborne Regiment have been spotted. Moving on to the Russian Ground Forces, of course, we have the 41st Combined Arms Army. We have the 36th Combined Arms Army, of which we have seen the 2nd Guards Tank Corps, of which the 5th Guards Tank Brigade has been seen. The 58th Combined Arms Army, we have the 42nd Guards Motorized Rifle Division and the 19th Motorized Rifle Division. We also have the 20th Combined Arms Army and the 29th Combined Arms Army, of which we have seen the 36th Motorized Rifle Brigade. We have the 1st Guards Tank Army, of which we have seen the 90th Guards Tank Division and the 6th Tank Regiment of the 90th Division. We've also seen the 8th Guards Combined Arms Army, like I spoke about earlier. They had their uh, Army Commanding General killed. We have the 150th Motorized Rifle Division. They also had their Division Commanding General killed. And of that division, we have the 102nd Motorized Rifle Regiment. We have the 20th Motorized Rifle Division, the 33rd Motorized Rifle Regiment, the 34th Motorized Rifle Brigade, and the 21st Guards Motorized Rifle Brigade. Now to the Navy, we have the Black Sea Fleet. We have the 126th Coastal Defense Brigade. Of that brigade, we've seen their Howitzer Battalion and their Reconnaissance Company. We have the 127th Reconnaissance Brigade, and we have seen the Brigade Spetsnaz Company deployed. We have the 810th Naval Infantry Brigade. We have seen their Reconnaissance Battalion deployed. We have the Patrol Boat Vasily Baikov which was active at the Battle of Snake Island and was last seen near its port in Sevastopol, Crimea. We have the Baltic Fleet, the 336th Guards Naval Infantry Brigade, and the Pacific Fleet's 155th Guards Naval Infantry Brigade, the Air Assault Battalion of that brigade. Moving on to Rosgvardia, I spoke about all these earlier. We have the Separate Operational Purpose Division, the 604th Special Purpose Center, the center's Vichyaz unit, um, of which like eight or nine guys were killed. 
we have the 33rd Independent Spetsnaz Detachment, an OMON unit from Tuva, an OMON unit from Perm Cry, an SOBR unit from Vogda, and uh, actually, yeah, that's all we have for Russia. Moving on to Ukraine, this is going to be very short. And again, if anybody has um, any sources as far as uh, the formation of Ukrainian troops goes, please feel free to uh, send them my way. I'd much appreciate it. But for the Ukrainian Air Force, we have the 204th Tactical Aviation Brigade, like we spoke about earlier. We have the 79th Air Assault Brigade of the Ukrainian Air Assault Forces in Mykolaiv, like we spoke about earlier. Also in Mykolaiv, for Ukraine's ground forces, we have the 59th Motorized Rifle Brigade. And uh, that is actually it. So um, I want to thank you all for supporting this podcast. It means a lot to us. You could find us on uh, your favorite podcast apps. That's Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, Overcast, Radio Public, Pocket Cast. Wherever you find podcasts, you'll find us there. You could find us on Twitter and Instagram at Analyze Educate. That's all one word. Please consider supporting us on Patreon and Ko-Fi. And uh, that is all I have for you guys this week. We will see you next week with another report.